The following podcast is not for children and contains discussions of adult themes. In addition, this particular episode discusses grief. Listener's discretion is advised. And remember, listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs. And welcome back to the Three Little Words podcast, where we read and rate romance novels on steaminess, dreaminess, and memeiness. I'm Nicole. And I'm Claudia. And today, we will be discussing Second Wind by Celie Simkis. Claudia, what did you think of this book? It was cute. You know, it, yeah. it maybe wasn't the best fit for our show and our format. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't regret reading this. I didn't like dislike it. Oh yeah, 100% agree. So just like a little backstory, I guess. During our Vladimir episode, I said like just like some offhanded comment about a geriatric romance. And then I was like, oh, what if we actually did do that? And so I looked it up and I found this. So just to give you the back of the book here, the little blurb, no matter how old you are, there's always a chance for romance. After the death of her husband, 71-year-old homemaker Martha Appleby is taking her first long-distance trip alone. That loss has derailed many of her plans for her twilight years, and she hopes to come to peace with not knowing what will come next. 70-year-old service dog trainer Pamela Thornton is hoping to take advantage of a well-timed work trip to figure out what to do next. Crouton is a last service dog of the litter, and she's not sure she wants to keep raising dogs by herself. These two childhood sweethearts haven't seen each other in 50 years when they each board the same airplane, only to find they've been booked for the same seat. If they can get past the ghosts of their past and decide what path they want to chart for their futures, this chance meeting could give their long-lost relationship its second wind. In the sea of queer Amazon books, it is an eye-catching premise in a way. Oh, for sure. Definitely something that doesn't like really fit with our format, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was very cute. Yeah, I also like occasionally reading a book that breaks our format a bit, yeah. intentional or not. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mountain Retreat Murder, Vladimir. <laughs> but this is the first one that we like. <laughs> Sometimes you have to break the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. So chapter one, we open with the flashback from Martha's point of view back in 1955 during which Martha runs over to a friend's house to see if the friend could come along on a little trip, only to find out that that friend is none other than Pamela or Pammy, as she's so affectionately referred to. Mm -hmm. So we just get like the tiniest little glimpse into their past here just to see like, oh, like there is a past there. And then we jump ahead to 2019 is when this book takes place. Man, remember 2019? Oh, no. <laughs> 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 so again, we're still in Martha's point of view, and she's speaking to her daughter, Andrea, or Andy, and Andy's concerned and asking if Martha would like for her to come along on this trip. 
So Martha is headed over to Scotland to go scatter the ashes of her late husband, Joseph. They frequently traveled over there. It was like one of their favorite places in the world. They have family over there. He's actually from Scotland. Yeah. So there's a lot of history there. And so, you know, scattering his ashes was a... You know, getting at the Glasgow Tower, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which, hang on. I got to look that up before we get into more of this book. Because <laughs> I was like, all right, like scattering ashes off the top of this tower. In a public place. I'm like, is it going to fall on people below? Yeah, I really have to. I mean, like, <laughs> they take the effort to clear people out of the tower, the, the observatory area or something. Yeah. But still, you're spreading human remains essentially in the middle of a town. So, okay, I'm looking at an image of the tower from like a little bit afar, and it is right by the water. But I'm uh, not I'm not a physics person, mm-hmm. but ashes are very light. And mm-hmm. so I feel like you can't just like yeet them and they would like, you know, <laughs> get like farther away from the point of origin i guess also if it's even a little windy that shit's going everywhere that's just gonna come down like snow on top of the poor bastards on the ground (laughs) well i know that the wind does pick it up maybe the wind picked it up and like brought it more ocean bound so it just sprays people over by the beach (laughs) (laughs) well fortunately it doesn't look like there's a beach nearby at least not in this picture i'm looking at let me make sure Okay, I just, I want you, I'm going to send you this picture because it's like, I need you to see what I'm seeing because it doesn't look like there's any possible way for it to just like drop right into the ocean, Mm -hmm. which I think is very funny. Oh, that's a tiny picture. (laughs) It is very small, (laughs) but I do, I do, uh, let me squint. (laughs) I do get uh, get what you're saying here. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Thank you. (laughs) Like there's n- no way. Yeah, it's for not it like it's in in the middle of a town, but like I still don't feel fantastic about it. <laughs> like <laughs> me personally, I don't think I would scatter ashes from the top of that tower. Maybe yeah. I I'd visit and be like take one nice look around for the last <laughs> time in the urn and then take him downstairs and just like yeet him into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just, (laughs) God. So Celie Simkis, our author, from her picture, she appears to be fairly young. She looks under 40. Mm -hmm. Probably like under 35, if I had to guess. Yeah. What do you think of the boomer narration in this book? Ooh, in my life, I haven't exactly met many, if any, like very... (laughs) open-minded boomers Mm -hmm. so i'm just like oh this feels very different to what i have experienced in real life so it was kind of hard for me to gauge Mm -hmm. how realistic i guess like the dialogue here is some of the internal narration made me really go like oh yeah okay boomer yeah (laughs) like at this beginning bit here a couple of people shot us dirty looks as we stood just outside the security line i assumed we were in the way it's like then move (laughs) like it's a boomer ass entitlement to be like oh i'm in the way but who cares (laughs) (laughs) so i think that that was very well done (laughs) i didn't even like register that that way i'm just like yeah okay (laughs) martha makes a point of saying that traveling on her own can't be harder than traveling with you know a whole group of people because andrea has 
two kids and a husband and traveling with kids is a freaking nightmare. You have younger siblings. Have you ever had to like travel with them for like an extended period of time or for a long distance? Yes. So when we were kids, every few years, we would drive from New Jersey to the very top of Maine. Oh, that's a haul. It is 12 hours in the car. I think we usually date all on the same day. I could be wrong because, you know, dissociation. But I do remember that the first trip that we took after my youngest sister was born was a misery. Oh, God. (laughs) Because she was like one or two. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a a one or two year old on a 12 hour car ride with like, God, I'm pretty sure we had like a Raffi cassette or something. (laughs) <laughs> that, that we had to listen to at some point. I'm pretty sure I've heard Baby Beluga way too many times. Oh, no. <laughs> Shout out to my mother for apparently being like the strongest person on the planet because my little brother mm. was a handful when he was younger. Like he was a childish kid. Mm. He would like scream all the time and cry if he didn't like get his way. Like he loved this one Peruvian restaurant in particular. If we went to any other eating establishment, he would start screaming like, no, I want to go to this restaurant. And my parents would be like, oh, my God, this child will not shut up. We have to leave. (laughs) So they always joke that I was like the perfect child, very like quiet and calm. And then my brother is just like the polar opposite (laughs) just to balance it out, you know. So my mother traveled alone from New York to Peru with her two children. My brother was two at the time. I was four. So shout out to her because that could not have been easy. Oh, God, no. That sounds horrible. Like, yeah, because like we were going to visit my grandma, so her mom. And so my dad stayed home to watch over my older sister. And so it was just I'm just like, Mom. I don't know how you did it, but holy (laughs) shit, I would not be able to go on a plane with a toddler. I would die. God, yeah. Oh, imagine. Anyway, (laughs) so yeah, traveling (laughs) with kids. If you can do it, bless your soul. But Martha was like, Andrea, you're like not going to do that. That's a lot of work. (laughs) And so, you know, Martha's just trying to like pass it off as like something, you know, she's like, oh, it's just a trip. And I've made this trip like nearly a dozen times before because, you know, Joseph's from Scotland. And this like broke my heart a little bit where she says, the truth was the idea of taking this journey with my husband's ashes instead of with his living, breathing self was breaking my heart, but I wouldn't let that show. Not now. It would be exactly what she needed to buy her own ticket and come with me despite the financial hardship it would put her in. And she says, I need to take this last trip, Andrea. We'll figure out everything else when I get back. But for now, I need to do this for your father and for myself. Like, well, yeah, sad. Can we talk about how sad some of the bits of this book are? Oh my God, for real though. Okay, so like, I feel like old people make me so sad sometimes. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, you're old. Granted, I did feel that a lot more before I worked at a pharmacy. Yeah. (laughs) I met old people who were mean to me or hit on me. But (laughs) Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Oh God. But still, it's just kind of like, oh. And I think that's also part of the reason I enjoyed this book so much because I'm just like, oh, like old people and like, they're alone. It's just like, oh, but they're not, though. They found love at 70. Yeah. Okay. This part baffled me. Uh-huh. So she makes the trip, right? And she has to purchase a seat for the human remains, the urn. Yeah. Is that, That's really a thing? That's so stupid. I'm pretty sure, yeah. That's ridiculous. Re- 
ridiculous. Plane tickets are expensive. It's just one other thing where the airline gets to fuck you over. Thanks, capitalism. Okay. It seems to depend on the airline. Okay. Would JetBlue do this to me? Oh, thank you, JetBlue. Cremated human remains must be transported in a crematory container, urn, and will only be accepted as a carry-on item. Urns will not count as part of the customer's personal item or carry-on item baggage requirements. The urn must fit completely stowed under the seat in front of the customer or in an overhead bin. So (laughs) you wouldn't have to buy a whole fucking seat for it. Yeah. Okay, so the cheapest things I'm seeing here are still like $670, which honestly isn't that bad. Or is that just one? Oh, no, it's a round trip. That's not bad. Yeah. Damn. It's only like double what a round trip is to uh, California from here. So pretty good. Either way, let's say like $600 to $700 for a ghost. Like, what the? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you divide it in half because he's not coming back. That's true. Either way, (laughs) still for a ghost. Yeah. Bullshit. I hate capitalism. It's so fucking stupid. JetBlue wouldn't do this to me. (laughs) Yeah, so she says, I still couldn't believe the airline had required me to purchase him his own seat. It wasn't like I was traveling with his casket. He was packaged in a hermetically sealed bag and then tucked into a box the size of a sheaf of printer paper. Really? A whole ass ticket? I would have just (laughs) snuck it in. Fuck him. (laughs) Check him in. Put him on my checked luggage. I don't give a shit. Then TSA scans your luggage and (laughs) they tackle you to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> make you watch as they eat your husband's ashes. Oh, God. <laughs> we jump to Pamela's point of view, who is traveling with Crouton, the service dog. Now, for whatever reason, I pictured Crouton as a as a, as a corgi in my yeah, brain. Yeah, me too. <gasps> well, I wonder why that is. <laughs> Did they say corgi at some point? Did because they? when they said poodle, I was like, isn't this a corgi? No, I don't think they ever mentioned Corgi. I must just still be like makeup test pilled over here. Oh my gosh, maybe. Well, that and it's like I saw our friend's Corgi not too long ago. Mm. And the streamer I mod for also has a Corgi. So they've just been popping up recently, I guess. It's just so weird that both you and I thought that that Crouton was a Corgi. Maybe it's also because they both start with C. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Crouton the Corgi just sounds like it works. Up until they said poodle, I was going to come on here. I was going to be like, if I had a nickel for every time we had a book with a side character corgi named after a food, I would have two nickels, <laughs> which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice, right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, Crouton is not a corgi. No, nope, poodle. Okay, here's another thing. Is this like a regular thing for a service dog to come from abroad? I don't think so, but maybe like they especially shopped around for Pam. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's just good at what she does and she's like queer friendly. Yeah. I assumed that it wasn't like a convenience thing, mm-hmm. but it was something that they like perhaps needed to seek out. Yeah. Because yeah, I was wondering that. I was like, what? Yeah. So Crouton is going to be Pamela's last service dog. Her nephew says 71 year old women shouldn't be spending every hour of every day with dogs that go on to serve other people. You should be enjoying your silver years with a dog that's going to be there for you if you don't want a partner. Which, like, I understand, I guess. Like, just wanting some consistency. Yeah. Also said nephew is gay. Yes. Just get a casual mention of that. We do. Lots of queer rep in uh, this book. A lot of casual queer rep, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which I really like. It's like, yeah, that's that's just what real life is. Yeah. <laughs> Not a big deal. Queer people are everywhere. <laughs> you cannot escape us, America. 
<laughs> I also appreciate that she says that living with her nephew and his husband would cramp her style. Oh, yeah. She's so <laughs> cute. They're both honestly like so cute. Yeah. Both together and on their own. Jump back to Martha's point of view and she's boarding the plane. And just the description of Pamela from her point of view was very cute. Mm-hmm. So she's boarding. But when I saw a slim woman who looked to be about my age with a shock of fiery red hair that almost matched her sweater and a beautiful warm brown standard poodle in a service vest, the only voice in my head was my own. My God, she's stunning. I couldn't deny what my brain was saying. I wasn't sure what it was about her that drew my eye. It could have been the kind smile on her face as she spoke to a young man on the other side of her or the sparkle in her bright blue eyes when she glanced in my direction. I couldn't take my eyes off of her until those eyes focused on me. Something about the way she held herself was familiar, but I couldn't quite place what it was. I shook my head, sure that I was imagining a connection with her just because she was attractive. I knew there was no way that I could have forgotten someone as captivating as she was, even at my age. Just like, oh. Yeah, I like how much they are attracted to each other. I do love that. And it's like, I know we've talked about this in Vladimir about like older women and still being able to be like attractive and sexy and all this fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, it is fun seeing older women still, like they still got it. Yeah. So Nicole, here's a question for you. Yes. Say you're on a plane right now. I come up to you and I say, uh, I'm sorry, I think you're in my seat. What would your reaction be? I'd be like, uh, let me check my ticket. And I'd be like, oh no, it looks like I'm in the right seat. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but... See, the very boomer response we get in this book to, I think you're in my seat, is the immediate turnaround of I most certainly am not, which is the most boomer ass thing, the most fucking obnoxious thing. <laughs> Terrible. It just reminds me of working at the movie theater with fucking assigned seating. I had to oh, be like, no. I think there's a seating mishap. And they're like, I'm in the right seat. And I look and I'm like... Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. It seems that you're in row B. You're in row F right now. Like, can you not fucking read? Cool. Okay, let's move you. I was real annoyed. I went, I showed up to the movies and I was like running late. And so I showed up like right as it was starting and somebody was in my seat and I was like, y'all are in the wrong seat. And they're like, uh, no, but like my friend's right here. And I was like, you know what? I just want to watch a fucking movie. So I just sat in the row in front of them. But I was like, Really? Y'all can't fucking read? You think F looks like G? I always sit in seat F10. That is my seat because I like being right on like the aisle so I can escape quickly. So this gilf that Martha is eyeing <laughs> is in her seat. <gasps> that bitch. And so they compare tickets and she looks at this woman's ticket and she says, Pamela Thornton, your name is Pamela Thornton. Did you live in Blairsville in the 50s? And she's like, yes, I did. Is that a problem? Again? Okay, boom. Um, (laughs) Relax. Pammy? My voice was barely a whisper. I didn't think I'd ever see you again. It's me, Martha. (gasps) Oh my god. Yeah. Flashback. Martha's point of view. 1968. Pam and I had not spoken in over a week. I knew when she'd gotten upset, but I wasn't sure what I'd done to upset her. I loved her more than anyone else in the world, but I couldn't stand the way she went from treating me like her best friend to treating me like a stranger. So today I had a plan. I would be biking to her house and we were going to talk about whatever kept making her so upset and we were going to figure it out. We had been friends for 13 years. She hated conflict, but sometimes there was no avoiding it. So she pedals over to Pam's house only to see a bunch of like weird men 
in there, like loading mm-hmm. shit up. One of them says, are you lost, little girl? Which, ew. And she asks why they're packing up all of this stuff. And the family moved to Philadelphia. And so Martha's like super distraught because she didn't know that this was happening. Pammy hadn't even bothered to tell me she was leaving. How could she not have told me? I couldn't imagine why or how she would have kept this a secret from me. Then the reality of the situation hit me. Her parents had been spending every weekend in Philadelphia for the last few months. They'd taken all of their things with them. What were the chances that I would ever actually see her again? Math may not have been my strong suit, but I knew a lost cause when I saw one. I fell to the floor and let myself break into full body sobs, knowing that my heart had been broken for the very first time. Does the math add up for the, their ages? Kind of. Okay. So if they're 70 in 2019, that means that they were born in like 1948? Yeah, 48, 49. Yeah, which means that in 55, they're seven. And in 68, they're 14. So they've been friends since they were like one. Wait, no. If they were born in 49 and 68, they were 19. Wait. Wait a minute. Yeah. Because they always say it's been 50 years. I'm like, I feel like it's closer to 60, but then the math wouldn't add up. So I guess they were 19. Yeah, no, they they were not. They keep saying like they were 13. Yeah. That's why it kind of threw me off reading this. I got a beautiful mind this here. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) 1968. And we have to assume that they are 13 by that time because we never hear otherwise. Mm -hmm. So 68 minus 13 which means that their 13 years ago was 55 maybe they just became friends in 55 maybe they were too <laughs> i don't know yeah the math doesn't quite add up i don't think because i don't feel like she's probably you know 17 to 19 in that time yeah and then like 2019 minus 70 is 1,949. <laughs> it's 1949. <laughs> so that means that they were six in 1955. And then 1968 minus 1948. So they're like 20. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So really, yeah. Because they talk about being like in school and stuff. Like, unless like they like both stayed back a couple years or something <laughs> or started like, I don't know how the 50s and 60s were. I wasn't alive. Yeah. I was not even a thought yet. All right. So I'm glad I wasn't just like tripping the whole time or that I was just being bad at math. (laughs) I was like, I'm like, I don't think this adds up. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Fast forward to 2019. We're back on the airplane. And yes, so Pamela, she looks at her and says, oh my God, Martha. So she recognizes her too. Mm -hmm. Very cute. So she says, Martha Rogers. I, um, it's Applebee now, uh, not to be confused with Applebee's, the amazing, <laughs> the, the fine American cuisine establishment. Not sponsored. <laughs> so there is some kind of mix up here because they each had to book two seats. Martha for herself and the ghost of her husband. <laughs> and- and Pamela for herself and Crouton the Corgi, definitely not a poodle. <laughs> <laughs> it's our so book now. <laughs> it is. <laughs> this is my fanfic. Death of the author. 
the flight attendant takes a look. I seem to have found the issue. Apparently, the airline overbooks service animals and seats for remains, since they usually go unused. So, technically, you've both paid for the seat in the middle here. Uh, one of them better have fucking gotten a refund. Exactly. You were saying boomer energy. I feel like boomer energy would have been, okay, then why the fuck am I paying these like $300, $400 for if exactly. like, I'm sharing a seat? Especially because this lady openly admits that they usually go unused. Yeah. <laughs> and so the lady was like, oh, but like, you know, the seats on like either side are available. So you each have a place to sit. So I'm like, well, like, yeah, like that's fine. But the money, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That was my biggest gripe with the whole book. <laughs> It's a valid gripe, to be honest. <laughs> my, really my only gripe. <laughs> oh, and then there's a very cute moment where, let's see, Pamela is getting up. So she says, oh, so you don't have to squeeze past me. And then they bump into each other and she falls over. But Martha catches her. Mm -hmm. Very romantic. She says, I'd never wanted to be the damsel in distress in any situation, but damn if it didn't feel good to be held. Oh, yeah. They're just so cute because Martha says, I see you haven't gotten any more graceful since I saw you last. And Pamela says, what can I say? Some things never change. They're so cute. Yeah. I love them, actually. They're my grandmas now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm adopting them. <laughs> Reverse adopting them. <laughs> yeah. Coming up to them and saying, you're adopting me. Yeah. Like, I'm your granddaughter now. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something that I really liked, Martha, about Pamela. She laughed, and it was like no time had passed at all. It was still closer to a witch's cackle than the delicate laugh her mother had wanted for her only daughter, with just a hint of gravel at the bottom of her voice. Hearing that sound again, I wasn't nervous about spending the flight next to her anymore. It felt like I was back at home again, which I appreciate as somebody who also fucking cackles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I empathize. Also, the least boomer moment in this book, Martha internally is thinking about like how she hasn't really talked to or really thought about most of her like childhood or, or school friends since she left that area of Pennsylvania. She says, my kids kept trying to get me to use Facebook to find my old friends. It's like, my God, a boomer who's not on Facebook. I know. My <laughs> 83-year-old grandmother is on Facebook. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my 80-plus-year-old grandparents are on Facebook as well. Yeah. Also, her older brother, who I think is like 85, 86, also on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Man's is almost 90 on Facebook. <laughs> but good for her. Yeah. Old people shouldn't be on the they internet. They should not be on I'm Facebook. Sorry. <laughs> Nobody should be on Facebook. That's very true. I'm only on there out of a sense of obligation. I think I check it once a year. Never check it, and I never post on it. I tell my family this. I'm like, don't ever expect me to post any like real updates on Facebook. Once a year, I'll like maybe post something. And so I posted a really poorly edited picture of my cat in like an ultrasound or whatever <laughs> for his first birthday. And so I posted it on Facebook, and I was like, happy first birthday to my little rat boy. And I had people commenting it like, oh my god, congratulations! I hope it's a girl. And I'm like, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> people like messaging me like oh my god congratulations and i'm like did you not see the picture that is very clearly a kid <laughs> martha asks pamela so what brings you to glasgow and what does this beautiful lady have in store for her referring to crouton mm -hmm. Crouton here is in training to be a service dog for a young Scottish NB with epilepsy. I've done the majority of her training, but she'll need to work directly with her handler to learn their particular needs. 
What does NB mean? Martha wrinkled her brows. It's short for non-binary, like saying the initials NB, I explained. It's someone that her face cleared with understanding and she cut me off with a wave. Oh, one of my grandchildren is non-binary. They are 10 and haven't decided what pronouns to use yet, she laughed. I hadn't heard the word NB before, though. So we learned a couple things here. Mm -hmm. One of them being that Martha has a non-binary grandchild, which is Mm -hmm. very fun. And two, that she has a grandchild, which means that she's had children. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, wait, we already knew that she had children. Oh, Pam's learning that she has children. Yeah, sorry, I I should have clarified. Yeah, so Pam's learning that she has grandchildren, which Mm -hmm. means she has children. Pam says that she never married or had kids. It wasn't in the cards for her. She says, instead, I had lots of puppies, supported Ryan, and helped Celia raise her three boys. Two notes. Yes. So one, I highlighted the paragraph where she says, one of my grandchildren is non-binary. And I wrote, Poggers, dude, they're woke. <laughs> <laughs> which is the seriousness with which I read all books for this podcast now. Poggers. <laughs> <laughs> also, so Pam mentions that her sister married married somebody that she met while she was traveling in Israel. And... Martha asks, um, you know, she sees pictures of these of this family and she's like, are they Jewish like their father? I nodded. Celia converted before they were married. She's been a much happier person since. The boys have never seemed unhappy with it. Pretty soon after, they talk about Martha's late husband. And, you know, she asked what he was like. And Martha says he was the best husband I could have asked for. A good man, a good Christian, and a good father. Let me tell you. As a Jew, if I had gotten the question, if my like nieces and nephews were Jewish, and then oh. very shortly after this woman specifically said somebody was like a good Christian, I would feel kind of microaggressed, to be honest. Okay, I didn't like register it that way, because I'm not Jewish and I glanced over the whole Christian thing. <laughs> <laughs> but valid <laughs> i know it wasn't intended to be written that way yeah but something about the age and the question before it and then that comment i was like like in succession yeah yeah <laughs> i was just like uh-huh <laughs> just tuck tuck my maggot into my shirt he's a good christian <laughs> oh cut this in where i said said maggot uh Magen. there we go that's the correct pronunciation, but my <laughs> fucking New Jersey came out for a second. I do like how Martha described Joseph. He was silly. He was always singing or cracking bad jokes no matter where we were. In the car, doing yard work, even in the aisles at the grocery store. The kids were so embarrassed, but I loved it. He knew how to make everyone smile, from the grumpy old ladies to the babies in their strollers. So, like, she really loved him. Yeah, and then Pam thinks that he sounded wonderful, like exactly who my quiet friend would have needed by her side. Yeah. Martha asks about Ryan, who is Pamela's brother. And we learn that Ryan had Down syndrome. And as a result, he was more prone to like early onset Alzheimer's. So he passed away 15 years ago. And it turns out that the reason that Pamela's family had moved was because it was very hard for Ryan to receive proper treatment as a child in their little baby town in Pennsylvania. And their parents were drive like I think it was three hours one way or something to get to Philadelphia. Something mad like that. Because they live in like Pennsylvania. Yeah. (laughs) So it just made more sense for them to move to Philadelphia where care for Ryan was more easily accessible. Okay. So yeah, they make it to Glasgow. Hooray. We did it. (laughs) And funnily enough, they are going to the same place. Yes. Ha ha ha. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) For real though. (laughs) 
there were a couple of like those tropes in here, like mm-hmm. catching her when she fell, going to the same place, you know, and I was like, oh my God, like, this is so cute. It's very fun. <laughs> it is so fun, especially because this is just like a demographic you don't really see doing it often. Exactly. Or ever. Yeah. Also, from Martha's point of view, in the back of her head, she was like, is this child that Pam is giving a service dog to my like <laughs> my great grand nibbling. <laughs> which first of all also this is the second lesbian book that has had the word nibbling in it uh, d- didn't we agree that nibbling is a terrible word <laughs> it's just dumb <laughs> i like it it's fine they need a better word for it Th- yeah that that's yeah <laughs> but it's better than auntie oh which, yeah <laughs> we both did agree when talking about my spouse needing a name for our shared niece here <laughs> we both agreed it sounded a little too cunty <laughs> what did we settle on i think uncle uncle yeah (laughs) oh but also she thinks like i thought there must have been more than one epileptic non-binary kid in a city with half a million people though what were the chances (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah but also you know that is a very specific set of circumstances yeah But I just thought it was very cute that Pamela says, I take it the universe isn't done having its fun with us yet, eh, Martha? It appears not. (laughs) Yeah. They mentioned that Martha, her hair is like all messed up right now. And she says that my mother and Pammy's mother, for that matter, would have been horrified that I'd let anyone see me with my curls mashed from my nap on the plane. And she says that she did need a hairbrush. Girl, don't brush your curls. They're going to (laughs) frizz. You do that in the shower. Do you not know the curly girl method? Guess not. My hair used to be so wavy and now it's just like straight. (laughs) Dude, try the curly girl method. I thought like my hair was mostly straight and it turns out it's straight up fucking curls. Oh. Yeah. They're going to, yeah, her nephew Andrew's apartment with his wife Liliana and his child Amelia. They've been saving up for a while to be able to get Amelia a service dog because Amelia has epilepsy. So it's the next morning. Martha, you know, is very kind of like disoriented right now. Long flight. Mm-hmm. probably some jet lag you know but then she's like hit with everything that had happened and she remembers like oh shit i've been reunited with like my childhood best friend who i was like kind of in love with and i thought this part was very cute i wasn't too old to have butterflies in the pit of my stomach i had had it on the plane too i chalked it up to anxiety about the flight but there wasn't anything to be anxious about now and it didn't feel like anxiety it felt like like excitement yeah. Like, it's just so cute. They're adorable. Yeah. Also, I have a Mimi highlight because something about the phrase, it was time to face my Scottish family, felt <laughs> very funny to me. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Amelia real quick mm-hmm. because Amelia is non binary, but Amelia uses she, her pronouns. She has not decided on pronouns yet. Yes. I quite like that Celie Simkiss makes sure to refer to Amelia as a child, gender neutrally, but still uses she, her pronouns for her. Yes. I think that slaps. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that would have wanted her to commit all the way to this non-binary child, but also non-binary people use she, her pronouns all the time. Sandra is non-binary and uses she, her. Mm -hmm. And like, honestly, it feels more meaningful in a way. Mm-hmm. To have it like repeatedly affirmed in the narration that this kid is non-binary but still uses she/her pronouns. 
Yeah. You can tell this book was written by a queer person. Oh, yeah, for sure. Amelia is not awake yet, even though it's like 10 or something. God, I wish that were me. (laughs) (laughs) Because she tried to stay up to like greet them when they came in the night before, which is so cute. So cute. And I appreciate that Celie Simkis wrote out Amelia's accent, her incredibly thick Scottish accent. Bah, you were supposed to wake me up when you got home. (laughs) It's morning now, are they here? My Scottish accent is not great. (laughs) (laughs) If you had the chance to change your fit, would you? (laughs) Uh, I can't do it. I'm so bad at accents. If you had the chance to change your fit, would you? I feel like I can't do anything remotely close to it unless I sound angry. (laughs) (laughs) Me attempting that is my redemption for not doing it with Wildfire Griffin. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Amelia is just very cute. Oh my god, adorable. We don't get much of her apart from like this scene and like one other little scene. Mm -hmm. But Amelia is cute. She's up there with cute kids that we've read on this podcast. Agreed. That day is going to be the day that um, Martha spreads Joseph ashes from the top of the Glasgow Tower and says goodbye for the last time before he is sprinkled upon unknowing citizens (laughs) at the bottom of the tower. (laughs) And so her family's kind of like, oh, do you want us to go? Yeah, the family's like, do you want us to go with you? And then she's like, no, I'm going alone. You guys have things to do. And then she she's like, by the way, Pam, can I show you something in my bedroom? And she like privately asks Pam if she'll come with her to spread Joseph's ashes on unknowing citizens. yeah because pam notices like kind of a wrinkle between martha's brow that she gets when she's lying and martha realizes that pam knows and she's like pam let's go over here (laughs) i did really like this part where she asks her to go to the tower pam says are you sure and martha says i'm sure everyone else here knew him and they have their own grief to deal with i just i want today to be about him and me a little i want I want it to be a simple goodbye, but I also don't want to be by myself. Of course I'll go with you, I told her. Family can be draining, but I didn't want you to have to deal with this by yourself. Besides, I hear the Glasgow Tower is amazing. So I just, I don't know, I just kind of like the mention of just how, like, grief is handled differently. And, you know, she didn't want to push it because it might not be something that they want to do, you know? That's not part of their grieving process. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, even though she did not want to be alone. But Mm -hmm. fortunately, Pamela can come with her. Yeah. Okay, wait. Here's another thing. Mm -hmm. Going back to the whole, like, air travel thing. Mm -hmm. So they go to the top of the tower, right? Mm -hmm. And Martha's like, hey, I have this, like, Ziploc bag that I want to put some of his ashes into because she wants to plant, like, a tree with the ashes. So she would need to travel back. With the ashes. Yeah, she's just sticking that in her bag afterwards, I guess. Yeah, it's like, like why it's not? It's a Ziploc bag. It's not exactly biohazard <laughs> container material. <laughs> but it's like, why not leave that at home? Exactly. And, like, why didn't you do it? that beforehand <laughs> and then scatter the rest? <laughs> and then not have to worry about transporting it back. Because it's like, all right, there are a couple things that could happen here. One, the airport finds out and they're like, Bitch, what the fuck? Go buy an urn at the airport uh, gift yeah. shop and, <laughs> and like pay for the extra ticket. Or 
uh, her shit's jostled around as it's being transferred <laughs> from the plane to like the luggage carousel thing, and it just fucking gets all over her stuff. <laughs> God. Or, of course, option three, as I said before, TSA tackles her and holds her down while they eat her husband's Oh, head. God. That was like, did you ever see that episode of Strange Addictions? Or My Strange no. Addiction, whatever it's what? called? Somebody was eating her husband's ashes. <laughs> it was really fucked up. I like, never watched that show. And the only one I ever tuned into was the woman eating her husband's ashes. It's, oh, no. Oh, my God. So anyway, I just thought, okay, because we were talking about it earlier, how it would only be a one-way trip. No, yeah. <laughs> apparently. I vaguely get why maybe she did this, where she's like, I want him to see Glasgow for one last time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you're you're not bringing all of him already. Yeah. They only give you a certain amount of his ashes. You could be bringing, like, a leg, an arm, and his crotch with you. <laughs> <laughs> and, like... You can leave the crotch at home. It's not going to miss class. <laughs> oh, no. oh my god! Ugh. But you know, Pamela helps Martha transfer some of the ashes into this Ziploc freezer quarter bag, mm. um, and then you <laughs> should. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking, like I don't think the physics works for it to just like all go to the ocean. <laughs> like I don't know how this tower works. What if there are like windows along the side of it, and they just like dump the ashes out and just flies back into the building? <laughs> this one time, this is back when I was like smoking cigarettes, like a delinquent. <laughs> I was driving and I was smoking, and I was like gonna toss my cigarette butt out the window, and it just <laughs> flew through the back window into my back seat and burned a hole in the upholstery. <laughs> It's hard to get. (laughs) So, what if this was like a uh, same thing, but with the ashes? Oh man! (laughs) I also forgot what it was. I feel like this is like probably something that's happened in more than one movie. But I think I'm thinking of the Big Lebowski. Yeah, when they're dumping ashes and it like just comes back at them. (laughs) Anyway, I just feel like there are better ways to do this, but but. I also have never, like, grieved a loved one quite. Someone who's, like, that close to me. So who knows? Maybe if and when someone close to me, like, dies before me, like, I I will feel differently about this. But until then, I'm just thinking, like, objectively. Yeah, we (laughs) get to laugh about it until then. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Then we'll see (laughs) how my mind changes. I mean, personally, I want my ashes to be uh, compressed into a diamond and then put into the hilt of a sword. Uh, so Ooh. that my loved ones can take revenge on whoever killed me, because <gasps> oh. the only way I will die is if I am killed. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. In like a duel, do you think? Uh, no, they would have to sneak up on me. Oh, <laughs> bastards. Cowards. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of being planted into a tree. I just don't mm-hmm. want to create more waste. But honestly, I'm going to be dead. So mm-hmm. like, <laughs> do whatever you want. Throw me in the dumpster. I don't care. Throw me in trash. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> Throw me in the trash. <laughs> I'm the trash man. I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is this fucking episode's off the rails. It's so the book we is so, so little short. To talk about it's like half. We're already like halfway through the book. Yeah. Try not to make this a webisode. <laughs> Okay, back to the story. So as Martha is about to scatter Joseph ashes, she says, goodbye, Joseph, I'll meet you again someday. And then she opens the box wide so his ashes could flow into the air of the city he was born in. After barely a minute, the box was empty. He was really gone. The sound of soft footsteps came up behind me and Pam wrapped her arms around me, allowing me to lean on her. Finally, I wept. That got me. It got me too. Also on the way up to the observatory, Pam starts like having like freaking out a little bit in the elevator and it turns out that she is afraid of small spaces and falling. Mood. <laughs> yeah. So Martha offers to hold her hand. I held my hand out to her, hoping that the slight shaking of the elevator would cover the way my hand trembled. It's just very cute. Yeah. They're adorable. So Martha's giving Pam a little tour of the town. So she says here, it's amazing how time changes places and things, but it can never truly change the way people feel about them. And Pam murmurs, oh, or how people feel about each other. She feels her cheeks go pink. And she's like, oh, God, like, I hope Martha didn't hear me. But Martha did hear her. Martha always hears. She always knows. And so, you know, Pamela's like internal monologue here. Was it possible that the way I felt about Martha truly hadn't changed since I'd seen her last? Could I still be in love with Martha Rogers Appleby, even though the last three days were the first times I'd seen her since I'd moved away from Blairsville? Oh, that might be a problem. I couldn't tell her that I was still in love with her on the day that we spread her husband's ashes over the city. That was crass and insensitive at best. I think that line is very funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Martha says something here, which also I thought was very cute. Where she says, it almost feels like someone in heaven was pushing us towards each other. Maybe Joseph and Ryan met up there and are having some fun at our expense. Pamela laughs. I liked the sound of that. It was exactly the kind of thing that Ryan would happily be a part of. As I listened more closely to the rush of the waves, I recognized a song that was playing. Elvis's I Can't Help Falling in Love With You. I'd know those melodies anywhere. To have it play now, it was almost too perfect. Well, we might as well make the most of it then, I told her, holding out a hand like a gallant gentleman. Would you care to dance? She placed her hand in mine and I placed the other on her hip, scooching the rollator out of the way so that we could sway to the beat of the king's crooning voice. It was a perfect moment. I found that a little bit corny. I thought it was like so cute. I'm like, this is so corny. I'm like eating this shit up. I think it's the fact that it's Elvis's I can't help falling in love with you. Like, what a pick. <laughs> Just the thought of like some random person because like it's some random person playing music through a wireless speaker. Like at this beach in Glasgow, <laughs> <laughs> just putting on, but I can't help falling in love. Like a little bit of a weird mood to be blasting <laughs> on your speakers. <laughs> Me at the club. <laughs> <laughs> he is the king. Doing the slow, the slow, like, girl, look at your elbows dance. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the kind of corny shit, though, that I eat right up. I love corn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, just eat that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things here that I want to note. One is that Pam's parents are on a weekend trip to go take Ryan to the doctor in Philadelphia. And she managed to convince them to let her stay with Martha for that weekend. 
First of all, my parents had left some money with us and we'd both been given 50 cents each and permission to spend it however we liked. Poggers, dude, 50 cents. And like, oh shit. I did, I did look up the conversion rate. It's like $5. I know that $5 had a lot more purchasing power then than it does now. <laughs> Even, even adjusted for inflation. It's just such a such a kid thing where it's like, oh, $5. I remember as a kid, I would get like uh, dropped off at the mall sometimes and my parents would be like, here's $20. And I'd be like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I'm fucking rolling in it right now. $20 buys me nothing. $20 buys me like a box of Pop-Tarts now. It's like so unfortunate. Well, that's because, let's see, you were a teenager in like, what, 2009, 2010? Yeah. Let's see, the inflation calculator... See, that's now $25 worth of purchasing power. Whoa. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, there's that. And then I gotta I gotta enter Claudia's conjecture corner, except it's not even really conjecture because the <laughs> the author says that that she's neurodivergent. So obviously yeah. all these characters who are coded autistic are autistic. Now you're gonna tell me that they're queer too. <laughs> <laughs> they actually do say that Amelia is neurodivergent too. Yeah. They go into this ice cream shop. They race down to the ice cream shop. Whoever loses has to pay. <laughs> and Martha grabs Pam's hand and says, come on, Pammy, you owe me an ice cream. In that moment, I would have followed her anywhere just to keep holding her hand, which is cute. So cute. I highlighted that. Yeah. They get inside and it's very busy inside. Martha stopped short and I could see on her face that she was a little overwhelmed. With the squeeze of her hand, I took the lead. It felt like half the town was in there, chattering amongst themselves and stuffing their faces with a variety of snacks and fountain drinks. I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen this many people outside of a church service. Winding through them felt like it was going through a maze, but eventually we made it to the counter. Say the line, Claudia! <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's autistic coded. Also, can we just like briefly mention how there were 28 different flavors of ice cream? Holy shit! Yeah, in 1955 or whatever. Sorry, 1965. Holy moly, 28 flavors. Yeah, including fruity flavors like banana and black raspberry to chocolate chip and fudge ripple to fancy flavors like Swiss almond and peppermint. Oh. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't consider peppermint to be a particularly exotic ice cream flavor. Oh, peppermint. I love, I love mint ice cream. Me too. Oh, like mint chocolate chip slaps. Mm, yeah. I like oh when God. they have like candy cane pieces in it. Ooh, I've never had that. That sounds good. Anyway, 28 flavors fucking slaps. Yeah. Anyway, so back to 2019. Yes. It's the next day. They're talking about just like their schedules and how they're like, you know, talking about departures and everything. And weirdly enough, the two are leaving within an hour of each other. What are the odds? What are the odds? So of all the flights to and from the United States, how have we managed to plan our arrival and departure so neatly? It felt like fate was giving us one more push. It's very fun. It's so cute. They have a big feast of Scottish delicacies, including haggis and black pudding, neeps and tatties, fish and chips, leek and tatty soup, clap shot soup, hot scotch pie and potato scones, which just seems like way too much food for like six people. That's a lot of food. It's a lot of fucking food. Also, I'm sorry, haggis and black pudding are both gross. And it's not just because I don't eat meat. I gotta look it up. Haggis is sheep stomach filled with meat and oats and spices and stuff. And then black pudding is like sausage made from blood. I like tripe if it's prepared a certain way. By that, I mean like the mm -hmm. Peruvian way. So I assume that like haggis is similar, but also I'm like also not a meat person. And so yeah. I'd rather, I'd just rather not. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, it doesn't sound appealing. 
No, thank you. <laughs> I will say, though, the phrase neeps and tatties, very good. What is a neep? I have to assume it's a turnip. Oh, tatties are potatoes. Potatoes, yeah. Potatoes and turnips, which are two things that I, they list earlier. Everything that didn't have meat was mostly made of potatoes and turnips. Leek and tatty was leek and potato, just mm-hmm. like we'd have at home. That bit where it's like, you know, it's it's either meat, potatoes, or, or turnips. It reminds me of this one joke in The Simpsons where Marge and Homer are having dinner with Apu and his wife, and they're having Indian food, and like everything is like lentils, chickpea, and rice. Oh, delicious. And and there's one point where Marge is like, these lentils and chickpeas are great. And Apu's wife is like, try it with rice. <laughs> anyway. Delicious. They go out and they're exploring Glasgow some more. And uh, they see a public proposal between two men. Love <gasps> the queer rep. Love it. It would only be better if one of them was perhaps wearing a pink tie. So we'd know that he's gay? Yeah, so that we would know that he's gay. <laughs> as... <laughs> as George Lacar would would really appreciate that. For sure. <laughs> anyway, one thing that Pam says is that uh, I shuddered at the thought of something like that happening to me. What if the person wanted to say no, then they were in public where everyone would judge them? It was not for me to say the least, but I could see how happy it made others. So just store that one away. Consider it stored. Lock it in <laughs> your personal Disney vault. Right next to my personal Walt Disney head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So they go to a restaurant. At this restaurant, Martha finally asks the question we all want to know. Yeah. (laughs) Why didn't you ever tell me that you were moving? This is honestly, like, it's so simple that it's so believable. Yeah. She basically says, I thought that I did. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, what are you talking about? When you left Blairsville, you hadn't talked to me for a week for some reason. I didn't know you were leaving until I showed up at your house that weekend and the movers had cleaned it out. Are you kidding me? You'd known for a month that we were moving. I gaped at her flabbergasted. I most certainly did not. You never told me. I know we overheard your parents talk about it, but you never told me for sure. Her face went pale and she set her fork down with the clatter. I didn't? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> if you had, I wouldn't have let you go without saying goodbye. And she says, sorry, like, you must have thought so badly of me in these, oh. the last 50 years. 50, that's actually probably 60 years, because math. Exactly. Curious. <laughs> we, we see you, Seely. <laughs> One thing that I find very funny, that, like, this is the dumbest part of this 60-year misunderstanding. <laughs> Martha says, why didn't you call me? I didn't know your new phone number. I couldn't have called you no matter how much I wanted to. And she says, I thought you didn't call because I thought you were still upset with me over giving you the cold shoulder because you thought that boy from class was cute. I thought, oh, Jesus, I was such a fool. And actually, they don't address it here. They address it way earlier. But the reason that Pam never called her is that her new apartment didn't have a phone. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, you could have gone to the many public phones that existed in 1968 and been like, Hi, I'm calling from a payphone right now, but here's my address. Please write me a letter. I'm so lonely. (laughs) It's just the dumbest misunderstanding. (laughs) It's true. But, you know, things were different back then. Yeah, it's so realistic. That's that's what makes it so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, wow, I really can't blame either of you that much. So, yeah. So Pamela, just kind of looking back at the dinner and everything, says it's clear now that there is a possibility of a relationship between the two of them. 
Dinner, in addition to being delicious, had been illuminating and helped us to hash out a lot of old resentments that had festered in both of our hearts over the years. It was a relief, really. I wasn't sure if she had any sort of romantic feelings toward me the way I still did, but I hoped she did. Even if she didn't, if we just kept in touch, we could have the friendship we'd promised each other so many years before. That was a good thing. I don't think I would have been able to handle it if we reconnected after all this time and hated who the other person had turned into. My heart would have been just as broken as it had been when my family had moved away all those years ago. Just like back then, I had no idea what the future would hold, but I was a grown woman who got to make her own choices. I was going to make good ones this time. Yeah. And then they take a cab ride to the airport. It's cute, but also the most awkward cab ride I'm sure that this cabbie has ever had. <laughs> Martha decides that she like needs to say something to Pam before they get to the airport. Yes, because they're getting on separate flights. Yes. She realized that she, she still held quite a bit of love for Pam. And she feels like Joseph wouldn't have wanted her to spend the rest of her days alone. In the cab, she's like, you know, my mama always worried about my heart even before you left. At first, I thought it was because she didn't want me to love girls, but it turns out that she was mostly worried about everyone in the world I'd fall in love with and allow to break my heart. After you left, I thought maybe she was right, that maybe the joys of falling in love weren't worth the heartache of being alone either, or that it would cause irreparable damage to my already cracked heart. But then I met Joseph and... and oh, I read this sentence and for a quick second it was a garden path sentence, but then I met Joseph and God. You would have loved him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit, you met God? <gasps> no wonder you're always talking about being a Christian. <laughs> anyway, but then I met Joseph and God, you would have loved him. He would have loved you. We were so happy for so long and we had the best children. But now he's gone and I'm old and my heart is actually failing me the way my mama always feared it would. My kids aren't sure if they're comfortable with me living on my own. And you're here. You of all people were sitting in my seat on the plane. My chest was heaving and I knew my face was red. I had never felt this vulnerable in my life, and I could only hope that it wouldn't be for nothing. I've loved you since the day I met you, Pamela Diane Thornton. I have never forgotten that. If you say you don't love me, I'll get on that plane tomorrow and never contact you again. But I think you do love me. I think that you've loved me for just as long as I have you. And that if that's true, I won't leave the airport till you're back in my arms and we can make a plan for whatever the future may bring. <laughs> And then in narration, she admits that this was the worst place that she could have done this. Who confesses their love in the back of the cab? <laughs> and then Pamela responds, I love you too, Martha Rose Appleby. I don't know how we're going to merge our lives together, but we can sit down and figure that out at home. For now, you just have to get on the plane. I'll be right behind you, I promise. And then they kiss. Yeah. It's very cute. And then the cabbie is like, Ahem. This is very sweet and all, but <laughs> this is very sweet and all. But we've arrived at the airport, ma'am, and the meter runs until you've exited the vehicle. You should probably um, go somewhere else. I blushed, embarrassed but happy. My eyes flitted to meet Pam's, and we giggled like schoolgirls as we got out of the cab. While I double-checked to make sure we hadn't left anything behind, she paid him. I hoped she was giving him a hefty tip for having to deal with us. When she was done, she returned to my side, placing her small hand on my lower back. Come on, let's go start the rest of our lives. Cute. Very cute. Adorable. Yeah. So Martha is off on her flight. 
and Pamela's hanging out at the airport and she gets called to the attendance station and it looks like her name got randomly picked in this lottery raffle thing, I guess, to be pushed to a later flight because they overbooked the flight. Again, overbooking the flights. Yeah. And so she's being pushed to a later flight, which is heading out 30 minutes later. And so she sticks around, waits for her new flight. She goes to text Martha, just an update saying, hey, like getting on a later flight will be showing up later than expected because the plan was for them to meet up at the airport once they both landed in Philly. And then her phone dies and she's like, oh shit, like I hope my messages went through before my phone died. And she doesn't have access to a charger before the plane. Yes. I guess they have a charger on the plane. Because she does charge her phone on the plane. Yeah, she does charge her phone. She had sent those messages prior. Then we jump over to Martha's point of view. And so she's landed at this point. And so again, the plan was to wait for Pam. Very cute moment here or where she thinks, we had only been separated for half a day this time, but it felt like it had been yet another half century. Being without her was like yet another piece of my heart was missing in a way I hadn't thought was possible for anyone other than Joseph. I couldn't wait to see her again, but waiting was exactly what I must do. So the plane that Pamela was originally supposed to be on lands. And so Martha's looking around for her and doesn't see her anywhere and, you know, shoots her another text only for her to not receive an answer. She calls her too and just everything goes straight to voicemail. And she had already postponed her pickup time with her daughter. Her daughter was supposed to come as soon as the plane landed. And then Martha was like, no, come a little later because she wanted to wait for Pamela. And so now it's nearing the hour at which her daughter is supposed to pick her up and there's still no sign of Pamela. She's concerned first. Mm-hmm. Goes to the flight attendance station stand. Excuse me, um, I need some assistance. Of course, ma'am. What can we help you with? My girlfriend was supposed to be on this flight in from Glasgow. She gives them the flight number. She didn't come to get her baggage. Can you tell me if she boarded the flight? And they said, sorry, like we can't give out that information have you tried calling her? And she says, of course I've called her. It goes straight to voicemail every time and she isn't answering her texts either. Can you just tell me if her name is on the flight manifest? And so they can't mm-hmm. give out that information. So she asks, like, is there anything you can do to help me? I can't lose her again. I don't want to spend the rest of my life without her. And then it, it seems to click that it's like, oh, it's not just like them, like her saying, oh, that's like my girlfriend, my friend who's a girl. Like, no, this is like her romantic girlfriend. Yeah. Also, Martha is having, like, such a trauma response here. Oh, absolutely. Pam suddenly not being there when she expected her to be there. That That is definitely bringing up some shit. Yeah. They do say that while they can't give her any information as to who's on the flight manifest or who is not on the flight manifest, they can make an announcement. So they announce a couple times, Pamela, your party is waiting for you at X location. Mm-hmm. Still nothing, and Martha just goes somewhere to sit and be sad and wait for her daughter to pick her up, thinking that she's been ghosted. Yeah. So I'm going to say two things here. Yes. One of all of the third act misunderstandings that we've had in the many books that we've read on this podcast, this one is the most realistic of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course this could happen. <laughs> yeah. And it sucks. But it's also easily remedied. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of feelings involved here. So I, I didn't mind this. Yeah. Though I think the only, I don't want to say issue, that sounds like, even issue just sounds like too severe. But my mm. only thing with this is just that I feel like my brain wouldn't go to I've been ghosted. My brain mm-hmm. would first go to, oh my God, something happened. Like, is yeah. she okay? Like, 
don't know, did she get hurt or something? Is that why she's not on the flight? Like, what's going on? I yeah, don't think exactly. my brain would go to ghosted so quickly. I, I think it's just her trauma response that's making her go to ghosted. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. And then I gotta, I gotta be a white person talking about race for a minute. We we get the races of so many characters in this book. Even we do. We get a lot of races of people, and we only know their race. Like that's the only thing we know about them. This is the point where I was like, okay, like, come on. Because at the attendance desk, they specifically say, two black men and a Latina woman sat behind the desk tapping away at their keyboards and joking with each other. And one of the uh, black men shakes his head, and the beads in his hair made a musical tinkling sound with the movement. Just like, that does not feel necessary. And not in a way of, like, me complaining about forced diversity or whatever. Yeah. It just feels so unnecessary. And it feels weird to point it out as a white author. I almost feel like it was also partly because it was also mentioned from Martha's point of view. So mm. it's to let us know before they tell us that these are the same flight attendants that Martha went to. Okay, yeah. But that can we talk about hang on? Let me just search for white here. <laughs> Suddenly, a young white woman, a stranger is dealing with an old white tourist woman, two anxious-looking white men in suits, two broad-shouldered white men, and I cannot be bothered to look back and see if these are all from Martha's perspective, and maybe Martha's just a little weird about race. Mm -hmm. But also, in the restaurant, they're is specifically an Indian woman who sits them. And it just comes up slightly too much. Yeah. And it's just, it just feels weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I just feel I gotta say this. Yeah. Because it is something I noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's one thing to talk about, like, her nephew and his wife and their child and be like, you know, you know, they're, they're all like on the darker side and just having that as like a descriptor to characters who like matter. Yeah. But I don't know. You, you could just say like two broad shouldered men, like a mm -hmm. woman seating us. The help desk people are the only ones now that you said that, that I feel have an actual reason. Yeah. Yeah. But. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had to say. It's not really a knock towards the author. Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to point it out. Yeah. I'm just thinking it's just like. I feel like a lot of things we read can't be nearly as bad as it was in Roses and Rain. Was it? No, oh, Sunny yeah. says. Sunny says. Sunny says, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even saying like this book is racist <laughs> or anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we're going into, into what was it? Uh, we're going into a Latino bar full of Latinos playing Latino music <laughs> with this Latino boys in a gang full of Latinos. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking terrible. So Pam lands and she immediately turns on her phone. She gets like six text messages from Martha at 1.30. I'm back in Philly. See you soon. Half an hour later, I've set up camp at baggage claim. Can't wait to see you. Half an hour after that. Are you okay? Please check in. I'm starting to get worried. Half an hour after that. I had them call you over the speakers. I don't know if you heard them, but I hope you did. My daughter will be here to pick me up at 4.15. I'll be at the help desk until then. I hope you're okay. And then a half hour after that. <laughs> so 3.30 now If you didn't want to see me again once we were at home You should have just said though it's, This is the worst feeling of deja vu I've ever experienced And I'm extremely disappointed in you And Pam's like oh shit And she scrolls up to the message she tried to send earlier About the delay 
and it did not send. <laughs> Rip. Yeah, RIP. It is 4.30 already, almost. And she's like, God, I hope she's still here by some miracle. We go back to Martha's perspective, and she fell asleep for like an hour. Falling asleep in a public place is a bold move. Yeah, especially <laughs> when you have like personal items on you. Oh my God, her husband's yeah. with her. <laughs> so <laughs> so can steal her <laughs> <laughs> steal her ashes and eat them. Oh no, like that girl or that woman on my strange addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so she gets a call from her daughter and she's like, where the fuck are you? I've been here for like 20 minutes. (laughs) And she's like, oh, sorry, I fell asleep. And she has her daughter like come in and meet her for coffee since like she's already here and already like running late. My first thought was just like, so you're going to make your daughter pay for parking at an airport to go inside and get Starbucks? That's like $30 for an overpriced coffee. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was it. And also, and also the, the parking was pretty expensive too. <laughs> and then like, okay, if it's not close by, you'd have to like take a shuttle, mm. which is just annoying. This is a whole process. <laughs> Anyway, so Pam gets to the help desk. The guy from earlier is there. First of all, they think that she's about to pass out when they get there, so they get her a wheelchair. (laughs) And she says, I'm looking for my girlfriend. She was supposed to meet me here, but I'm really late. My international flight got changed, and I couldn't tell her. And and he says, did you just get in from Glasgow? Is your name Pam? He asked, the words nearly slurring together in his excitement. Yes, have you seen Martha? I asked breathily. Oh my god, I'm so happy you're here. She was so upset, it broke my little gay heart. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's that's a mood. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, calls Martha on her cell phone, which she left for him. Also, Pam describes the speed at which he's able to dial this number as only being able to be attributed to a lifetime of texting. <laughs> <laughs> Slam dunk. <laughs> Remember uh, T9? Yeah. I used T9 up until college, up through like 2013, I think. I did not. And that is because my last phone before college was a BlackBerry. So I had my Mm, full keyboard. (laughs) I fucking loved my BlackBerry. After my T9, I got a sidekick. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Fancy. It was like out of of date by that time, which is why I got it. Anyway, Anyway. (laughs) he gives Pam the phone and Martha is like, are you okay? I was worried. Why didn't you call? And she explains it. She says, you know, we were just about to leave for home. My daughter and I are at Starbucks. Can you meet us here? I can't get back through security. There was no question about it. I'd follow her anywhere in the world. Hopefully she'd rather have me by her side than two steps behind like I was tonight. And Martha says, hurry, dear, I miss you and hangs up. And she says, I wasn't too late. We still had a chance to have a happy ending. I just had to act like the heroine in the last act of a romantic comedy and run for it. Cute. Which is cute, yeah. Yeah. The, like, final tropey bit that I really enjoyed. Yeah. And so Martha is with her daughter. She gets off the phone and her daughter's like, are you okay? And she's like, I am doing great. Do you remember how I told you my childhood friend was staying with us in Scotland? And she says, I remember. Was that her on the phone? It was. We had such a wonderful time and fell back in love with each other. And she's here. And her daughter is like, what the fuck? I love how casually she just drops that. Yeah. Her daughter is like so confused and concerned the entire time. Martha says her eyes were nearly bulging out of their sockets and her jaw would have hit the floor if it could have. I was pretty sure that no one had ever seen her with such a shocked expression in her life. And she says, is that why you told me to pick you up now and stay when your flight came in? Mom, people can change a lot in 50 years. You know that. You barely know who she is now. Are you sure about this? 
To which she says the admittedly cute thing of, I know people change here, and I intend on spending the rest of my life getting to know every... And then Pam shows up and she runs at her. They run up to each other and they hug and they cry. Then they kiss. And then (gasps) Pam steps back and she gets on one knee. Oh my god. Please know, basically whenever in these books that there is an engagement. uh, Nicole, have you seen The Princess Bride? Yes, uh, that's one of my favorite movies. Mine too. Do you know (laughs) the the old woman in Buttercup's dream who's like, bow to the queen of garbage? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Please assume that whenever there there is an engagement that I somewhat disagree with in a book, this isn't as bad as some others in a way, mm-hmm. but please assume that I'm that old lady going, boo, boo. <laughs> 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 That was, that was me when Pam got down on one knee. See, I like didn't mind it. And I think that's because they are older. And yeah, so they're like, we don't have any time to, to lose. That's the slight pass I will give it. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> I'll give it only one boo instead of multiple boos. It didn't get a boo from me. I kind of I feel like I expected it just because they are older and so I'm like you know they know who they are as people already you know so it's just like you know if this is something they want to do and they don't want to waste any more time I'm like fuck it let them do it that's romantic it's cute it's fine (laughs) I was watching uh this streamer I like and he was reading through some am I the asshole posts (laughs) <laughs> and he was he was talking about this like older woman and her boyfriend and he kept like referring to this guy as her husband and his chat was trying to correct him and he was like I'm sorry chat once you get past a certain age it doesn't matter that's her husband yeah <laughs> On a, yeah <laughs> and like yeah I guess so whatever <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, she gets down on one knee and she says, Martha, I don't have a plan. I don't have a ring. Hell, I don't even know how we're going to make this work. But what I do know is this. Every time I see you, I remember that even on the worst days, there is a possibility for joy. When you're with me, I look forward to whatever the world has to throw at me. We lost so much time out there. Let's not waste another minute. Will you marry me? She says yes. And they kiss and then everybody clapped. Yay! We did it. The end. The end. And then we get an epilogue. Woo! In which they, they get married. Like, what what else do you want me to say? They got married six months after yeah. they returned to Philadelphia, which I thought was very funny because they were like, we only waited this long to, like, appease the children <laughs> because they yeah. were like, oh, what if it's too soon? <laughs> yeah, her children wanted to make sure that they both hadn't lost their minds. Which is <laughs> <laughs> very funny. Also, at the wedding, they play the Glasgow love theme from Love Actually, which I think is very funny after a scene where they're running through an airport (laughs) in the only way that you really can post 9-11. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the ceremony is very heartwarming, I think. So the officiant says, it's common for newlyweds to choose a plant or tree to create something at their wedding that will last a lifetime. To begin their ceremony, Pam and Martha have chosen to make their planting even more special. They have chosen to plant a tulip tree in an urn that holds some of Martha's late husband's ashes, which I really liked. I thought that yeah. was really nice that Pam is also honoring Joseph in this way and like making him a part of their ceremony. Yeah. I thought I loved that. I thought that was so lovely. Yeah. 
I also like that she says, in our vows, we promise to grow old together. Now he passed away before his time, but he doesn't get to get out of that promise so easily. I love that part. <laughs> it's, a, it's such a, a cool grandma thing to say. It really is. Also, can we talk about one aspect of this ceremony? If no one objects, then I would like to invite everyone to join us in song in honor of our brides. I've never seen that at a wedding. Me neither. Is this a Catholic thing? I don't think she's Catholic, but... Oh, I mean, like, well, I haven't been to too many weddings, but, like, the weddings I've been to, for the most part, have all been, like, Catholic-based, and I've never... Mm. Oh, I mean, like, if people, like, have sung, but, like, not as a group. Whenever something is too ornate and Christian, I just assume it's Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) I I also feel like despite being raised Catholic, like I'm like fucking, I made it all the way like through my confirmation and shit. I I don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah. I I was confirmed at at a church too. Yep. Nope. I I can tell you this is neither Reformed Church of America uh, nor any sort of liberal Jewish thing. Who knows? Uh, what song do you think they sang? Obviously, they sang Elvis's I Can't Help Falling in Love with You, and everyone did their best Elvis impression as I did earlier. Oh. Mm-hmm. See, um, my <laughs> if and when someone tricks me into getting married, <laughs> I would like for everyone to sing Rack City by Tyga. Uh, <laughs> rack City, bitch. Rack, Rack City, bitch. 10, 10, 10, 20 on your titties, bitch. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) I I will make sure to learn that before end. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, boy. So that's the book. (laughs) The end. We did it. I don't think there's anything from the epilogue I want to say besides that. Yeah. No. I gripped Pam's hand tightly as we made our way down the aisle toward the reception hall together. We were married and all was right with the world. It's not a notable ending. Ending paragraph in my mind. Like we've had far better. But yeah. I feel I need to read the last paragraph because we like always do. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't leave it at 10, 10, 20 on your titties, babe. <laughs> Valid. Anyway. Oh. So, Nicole, would you like to move into rankings? Yeah. So, Nicole, smash or pass on Pamela Thornton? I'm going to say smash. Yeah. I mean, I got to agree. She's cool. Yeah, they both are, honestly. Like, I would all say smash on Martha as well. What about you? Yeah, they're they're both smashes. Martha's a softer smash. Because she has slightly less queer energy than Pam, who is, like, the biggest dyke in the world. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. She reminds me, in a way, of my third grade teacher, who is one of my biggest dyke influences and was a huge influence on our life in general. Oh, blessed. She was very sweet and looking back, very clearly a butch lesbian. Hell yeah. Yeah, so. (laughs) Yeah, I really liked both of them. I thought they were both very fun. I thought they had like really nice character traits. I really liked them. Yeah, they're good people, yeah. Yeah, and again, like this just, this does break our usual like format and everything, but they're both very likable people and I really like them both. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nicole, what do you give this book for steaminess? Oh, this gets like a zero for steaminess. <laughs> Goose egg, but I'm not mad about it. Oh, yeah. No, like this This is fine. I will say I did kind of want a geriatric sex scene for the novelty of it. Honestly, I want to give geriatric roommates another try. I want to see some fucking hardcore, like <laughs> old people fucking. I want to see some hips dislocated. You hit a sexual second wind in your old age. Not many yeah. people like to think about that, but you know. Listen, a lot of us are going to reach that point. 
Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I would like it for the novelty of it for sure. But yeah, this yeah. gets a zero for steaminess, but that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. How about dreaminess? Uh, I'm going to give it like a like a three. Yeah. So when we were first constructing the idea of this podcast, we had a category for queer books, a ranking of girlfriends or girl friends. Mm -hmm. I will say up until the last chapter or so of this book, it was really girl friends. Yeah. I forgot that Martha knew she was queer in some way. Mm-hmm. Like up until the cab ride where she's like, you know, I thought that my mother like didn't want me to love women. I'm like, did you have queer energy as a child besides being very obviously like in love with this girl? Mm-hmm. Even in the flashback sequences, like when Pam moves, she talks about how last week she stopped talking to her after Martha mentioned like how cute a boy in their class was or something. yeah. And obviously Pam was like kind of hurt by that, hearing her girlfriend talk about how she was attracted to a boy. Yeah. To me, it read as like not exactly a mutual pining kind of thing, not exactly like a reciprocal relationship, mm -hmm. just kind of like an attraction that maybe neither of them quite fully understood. Yeah. Or maybe Pam fully understood it, but Martha didn't. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought there would be a realization, but instead we kind of didn't get that. Yeah. I don't know. It, the last couple of chapters, the confession kind of came out of nowhere a little bit for me. Mm -hmm. I get that like it was kind of able to be processed now that Joseph has been blown into the faces of Glasgowians. <laughs> but like, I don't know, it, it, it did feel a little bit rushed, which is why I'm giving it a three. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it a three, too. And a lot of that stems from, I think, just the whole dreaminess of the situation of them loving each other as younger people i, would, I don't want to say kids because like <laughs> technically they might be 19 who knows <laughs> loving each other back in their youths then not seeing each other for half a century plus and then reuniting and then being able to like rekindle that romance i find that really dreamy but that's yeah. really nice i think it's true yeah that's where i get my ranking from yeah. that's yeah i like that and for memeiness, I mean, I'm going to give it like a, a two and a half to a three. L let's say two and a half. I was going to say two and a half as well. Yeah. It's very tropey. It's not as fun as I would have hoped. There is mm -hmm. too much grief in this book yeah. <laughs> to be truly fun. You know, there there were some bits that, that made me laugh that I think weren't intended to really make me laugh. But there were some also funny bits that hit. Yeah, I think also just because they do leave us with a joke, the whole like, uh, he doesn't get to get out of that promise that easily. Yeah. So I think also having that at the end kind of leaves like a, a, a good taste in my mouth, you know? Yeah. Adding to the overall meminess of the book. What was your ranking for it again? Also a 2.5. 2.5, okay. Yeah. Yeah, wow, this is the first time that we've been exactly the same. Yeah, Has, is it really? Yeah. Well, except for last Normally you do tense and, yeah, yeah, except for last yeah. time. This is the second time. <laughs> yeah. If I had a nickel for every time that we fully agreed on all three <laughs> rankings for lesbian romance, I'd have two <laughs> nickels, which is, isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice, right? Especially <laughs> twice in a row. In a row. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. But this was enjoyable. Yeah, just because it ranks low in our arbitrary rankings, <laughs> like, it doesn't mean it's a bad book at all. Exactly. I, I quite liked this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is under 100 pages long. It's very heartwarming. If you want, like, a quick read that will make you smile, I recommend this. Yeah. 
I read yeah. most of this like today. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I read it this morning. <laughs> Overall, it's like, I feel like you should read this. It's nice. It'll make you smile. It'll warm your cold little dead heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. And then you can cremate that dead heart and yeah. go to the top of the Glasgow Observatory <laughs> building and kind of like scatter it. Make it rain on the on the people. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Scattering my husband's ashes when I'm doing it in the style of make it rain. <laughs> like... <laughs> like a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's it. Any more final thoughts? I'd like to read something else by Celie Simkiss. Yeah. I think that she has a, a, a talent for writing. I think that this was fun. Yes. I think that it's a well-constructed book, which is maybe like a weird compliment to give. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like for an, it's, it's hard to write a novella that feels like really solid. And this one felt solid. Yeah. yeah. Celie, if you listen to this, DM me a name of a sexier book of yours if you haven't. Yeah. But agreed. I would like to read more from Celie. And this, this just made me smile. It was a yeah. nice read. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. It's a good one. Well, Claudia, what are we reading next time? Next time, we're finishing like our weird lesbian trifecta here that we've accidentally done <laughs> with One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. Casey McQuiston, I believe, wrote Red, White, and Royal Blue. Really? This book was recommended to me by my fellow system member's girlfriend. Shout out to Callisto. And it seems really fucking good. It's a weird kind of soft sci-fi lesbian story. Very excited for that one. Mm-hmm. It's also long. <laughs> Expect a much longer episode than this. Yes, this is a nice little treat. <laughs> yeah. Quick, a quick episode. Okay, well, Claudia, where can the people find you? You can find me at Punk Dyke on Twitter, P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. I can't believe nobody had that at, and I actually found this little patch on Etsy. Oh my god! That says Punk Dyke on it. Like, coincidentally, I didn't ask for this to, like, be made. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna need to make myself a Sexy Pagliacci patch. That's where you can find me on Twitter, at Sexy Pagliacci, S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I, as in the sad clown. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at the 3LW Podcast. That's the number three. And you can also find us on Patreon at the 3LW Podcast, where you can get your episodes earlier than they are released on your favorite podcast listening app. And also special fun bonus episodes. Cool. Well, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. See ya. This episode was brought to you by our patrons June B and the Evergreen Collective, and by listeners like you. Thank you.
Hey, Jane. Hey, Jacqueline. What do you think the most significant YA book series like the 2000s to the 2010s is? Oh, definitely The Hunger Games. No, no, I mean like... Like uh, Twilight, Twilight, that's the best No, part. no, I'm talking about the Percy Jackson series by Riordan. Uh, I've not heard of those. If I wanted to listen to a funny podcast about those, what would you suggest? Well, I would recommend Unwise Girls, which you and I host. This is a podcast where we reread, analyze, and frequently joke about the books of the Rick Riordan verse, and we see why people call these the best young adult magical series of the 2000s. And we always take time to declare which characters are canonically, factually, not cishet, because Rick Riordan is not the boss of us. Listen to Unwise Girls every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Moonshot Network. <laughs>